Welcome to the first episode of the PitCon podcast. In this episode, we speak to the recipient of the Analytical Chemistry Award for 2023, Neil Kelleher. I'm Neil Kelleher. I'm the director of the Chemistry of Life Processes Institute and Northwestern Proteomics at, at Northwestern University in Chicago and Evanston, Illinois, right in the middle of the United States. And I do top-down proteomics, which we'll talk about. And what first attracted you to that field? So I was first pulled into science when I was 15 years old. And I worked at a company called Warehouser, a tree and paper company out in Seattle, Washington, uh, in the very Northwest. And there I discovered analytical chemistry. Some scientist gave me, I was a high school student, and he gave me a, a tin of sulfur some yellow compound and said, you have four months to identify what this is. And I learned spectroscopy, infrared spectroscopy, and I was 15 years old. So that just led me into a career in biological mass spectrometry. Yeah. Um, what is proteomics? Yeah. What is proteomics? That's a, that's a great question. It's a sprawling field that has to do with protein level biology. And so it's the study of proteins. And I guess the word is probably the best way to answer the question, what is proteomics? Um, it's, uh, you know, if genomics is the study of all the genes in an organism or a, um, an ecosystem, then proteomics is the study of all the proteins collectively, which has really diverse features, and, and we'll talk more about it. Yeah, and what is the difference in understanding um, that proteomics provides compared to genomics? So what can we learn from proteomics that genomics can't teach us? Yeah, so most people are familiar with the so-called central dogma or DNA is, gives rise through RNA molecules to proteins. And the proteins are the worker bees in your bodies. If you point to anywhere on your body, you're pointing to proteins. And so it's thought that uh, proteins are closer to our biology and disease traits, closer to our complex traits. And some of the parts of your body, like your eyeball, you know, it's all made up of proteins and, and they don't get renewed throughout your life. So we really need to understand proteins to understand holistically human biology. Yeah, that's fascinating. And how does Fourier transform-based mass spectrometry impact the interpretation of measurements in proteomic applications? So Fourier transform mass spectrometry is sort of like the Porsche of mass spectrometers or has been um, ultra high resolution, and it's uh, FTMS, which breaks down into various types of Fourier uh, uh, derivatives of mass spectrometry. Um, but the famous ones are, you know, one that uses a superconducting magnet, like an MRI in a hospital. So we use that style. Um, and then there's um, Orbitrap style FTMS. And they've had a big impact in protein measurements and proteomics. Long considered a specialist technology for physicians and chemists, how important is mass spectrometry in biological research? Yeah, FTMS or Fourier transform mass spectrometry is um, playing an increasing role in biological research, both metabolomics, proteomics, study of the proteins, imaging biological tissues for both those things, lipids, energy metabolites, proteins of ever larger size, and, and that means also capturing proteiforms, which we'll define in a moment. So what is top-down proteomics? Top-down proteomics is a way, it's a philosophy, 
that we came up with at, at Cornell to uh, first measure the molecular weight or the composition of the whole protein and then controllably degrade it into pieces. Don't create the pieces first and then try to build up the protein bottom up. So it's a measurement philosophy, it's a measurement approach. Top down philosophy and it has as its benefit determining proteins with complete molecular composition. So top-down proteomics, as a last point, it's, it's got uh, the benefit of determining proteins with complete molecular specificity. Yeah, brilliant. You've answered a little bit of the next question now, but what are the advantages and disadvantages of top-down proteomics? Yeah, so the advantages of that top-down philosophy of molecular analysis now applied to proteomics, so top-down proteomics. You know, the advantages are to be absolutely precise about molecular analysis of proteins. The disadvantage is that uh, the implementation of it still is lacking, and we need about a hundredfold boost in uh, that ability to capture all the proteoforms, all the different forms of protein molecules in a complex sample like human blood or um, tissue from any part of the body or other biological model systems. How is it used in research, this top-down approach? Top-down proteomics, it's used like other proteomics tools in both basic biomedical research and clinical translation. Um, and I would say for that last part, there are some real sources of excitement of the, the, the concept of implementing proteomics with complete molecular specificity, so top-down proteomics, which determines proteiforms. If you do that in cohorts of patients, 100, 200 patients, you will detect strong biological signals as biomarkers. And that is something that the world desperately needs to detect disease earlier so that you can involve yourself clinically and try and fix what is wrong with people. You've got to detect it earlier. And top-down proteomics is a major part of that solution. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've mentioned this word a few times. I was just wondering what is actually meant by the term proteoform? So proteiform, that, that's a great question. And for me and the people in this consortium for top-down proteomics, um, it's not just a word, it's a movement. And for that, uh, let's understand what we mean. We mean that um, a level one proteiform is when you know the complete atom composition of a protein molecule. And that comes from one of the 20,300 human genes. So those would be human proteiforms. And we're interested in creating the world's atlas, the definitive reference set of proteiforms in human biology. And that is called the Human Proteiform Project. Wow, that's really interesting. And um, how does your current work aim to bridge the gap between genotypes and phenotypes? That's a great question. So that, that is really, in, in biology, you know, there's a widely understood gap between the genes that encode the molecules that give rise to life and the phenotypes. So genotype to phenotype gap. Said plainly, it's genes to complex traits, often disease traits, if you're talking about humans or model systems. So that gap, there are many omics technologies, exposomics, metabolomics, transcriptomics, proteomics, but there's a thought that proteins really should be a strong connector, but they aren't right now. And so to close that gap, 
applying top-down proteomics to determine proteiforms will connect genes to phenotypes for both basic biomedical research and especially clinical translations. Clinical research, deploying that in the clinic, uh, it will take a few more years because proteiform measurement is a relatively small area, but growing quickly. I was just wondering as well, what impact has um, the field of proteomics had on a study of um, COVID-19 and the causative agent SARS-CoV-2? Yeah, so the pandemic, we've all just been through a moment. Uh, through, <laughs> It's been a hot moment. Oh boy, three years. And um, that's a classic case where to know, okay, it's an RNA virus, and but the proteins and the envelopes, we actually have a full uh, catalog of the proteins that are present. And because of the focus of biomedical research, there's a large amount of proteiforms known from SARS-CoV-2. And that's one way that we've understood, okay, what is the virus? What, where can we target drugs against the virus? So that, that is the beautiful case of proteomics writ large as a field, impacting positively biomedical research. But there's another area, and let's, the clinical side, when you talk about serology and immunoglobulins, um, antibodies as drugs, proteomics has had a major impact in both the detection and treatment of COVID-19. What does it mean to you to be this year's recipient of the Pittsburgh Conference Achievement Award? For me to get this PitCon Achievement Award, I just um, can't be more excited. I am elated. I, I was like a cat with the claws up on the <laughs> ceiling. Like I, When I got the news a couple months ago from uh, Brian and the award committee, I was just absolutely floored. And I've been excited ever since. He, he tells this great story of, of the day that I got the news that I was the PitCon Analytical Achievement Award winner, I was having two students defend their thesis at Northwestern University, and um, that just put it over the top. You know, I had their families in town, my, my group of about 45 people at Northwestern. It was just like, it was the best day in um, well over <laughs> three years in the pandemic. So you had a nice little celebration. I had a lovely celebration, <laughs> and there could have been champagne involved. Could have been. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what are you working on right now that you're particularly excited about? Right. So I'm particularly excited about the, the prospects of reaching a tipping point on the human proteiform project. So it's the equivalent of the genome project, but for proteins. Let's sequence, map, define the human proteome like we did the genome two decades ago, and it'll take another two to three billion dollars or euros, take your pick. It's a worldwide uh, project to uh, really clarify the human proteome. And that means protein level biology. Just what are the molecules? How many of them are there that are created from the 20,300 human genes? And that is really exciting. And there has been, in the private sector, a major move in the last three years. Proteomics companies have gone public, they have uh, had major investments in large venture capital and institutional investors. And so now we need the governments of the world to take a step in and say, we, those companies will be advantaged tremendously if they have the set of reference proteiforms in human biology. Every month we will be sharing an exclusive interview with some of PitCon's four leaders. Remember to leave a review, share the episode and follow the PitCon podcast to hear first hand when new episodes are out.